Welcome to Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. I'm your genuflexer, Roger. My brothers and sisters in Christ, join me every week as we work out these three perspectives in our everyday lives. That's what I call Christian genuflexing. Welcome, you guys. I got another episode, a podcast, very good one today, and we got a special guest. Would you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, anything you want to let people know. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so my name is Drew Shelnut. I am a parishioner at St. Helena's Catholic Church, um, and I joined the church uh, seven, no, eight years ago now um, at Easter. So I joined the church through RCIA. So grew up Presbyterian um, and came into the church a little bit later. And so that's definitely been a big impact on my faith journey. Um, it'll probably come up at, at, as we talk today, but um, the, my process through RCI really made a huge impact on who I am, as well as you know, the ways that I catechize, the ways that I interact with other people, um, and the way that I'm Catholic in my life. Um, so a huge, huge thank you to all the people who coordinated that RCI process for me, because it, it really did make a huge impact for me. That's great. And uh, so we're going to get into three topics the faith, reason, and geekdom part. On the faith part, the faith part is going to be uh, how to build Christian community. The reason part is going to we're going to d- dive into what's our favorite uh, argument for the existence of God, and then we'll throw in the last geekdom part with UFOs. Like, Sounds are good. they real? Are they here? Are they among us already? Do we don't even know? You know, I, I don't know. The UFOs in the news, you've seen the little Navy footage. The Pentagon's come out. The government has come out. And everybody's kind of like, huh, whatever, right? It's, I think it's kind of weird, right? Definitely. Everyone's kind of like, oh, aliens. Okay, cool. But we'll get into that. Um, so first, let's, let's start off on that. I want to talk about the faith. So uh, building Christian. How, how are we to build Christian community? Now, that, I like how you said that uh, because I didn't know that part. Um uh, that you came from the pres- uh, Presbyterian Church, so uh, a convert, and I honestly think that um, converts make really good Catholics. I hear that Have a lot. Have you ever heard? Yes, yep. I get that a lot. Because me, I, I was born and raised Catholic, but I I say about um, yeah, about what what is it now? About five years ago or so? Is it five? I guess it's been about four four or five years. Uh, I'm a revert. So uh, what that means real quick is I was born and raised Catholic, uh, a baby, you know, whatever, uh, grew up, went to church by force, obviously. And then once I grew up and I had the choice, I was like, nope, I'm not going to church no more. Now I can do whatever I want. Can't tell me what to do. How dare you? I'm liberated. I'm an American. I get to do whatever I want. Radical individualism, just doing whatever I want. Didn't really, you know, uh, okay, fine, Christmas. Okay, we'll go Easter. As I got a little bit older, okay, fine, you know. But other than that, even I uh, had kids, same thing, Easter. Uh, not until about four, uh, four, maybe even five years ago, we'll just say four years ago, uh, that's when I had my reversion story and, uh, and came back to the faith. Uh, so I'd been gone pretty much almost, all, and there were so many things that I learned that I didn't know. And I was like, why didn't I know this? Like, why? Why did that so cool? So from you being a Presbyterian, I hear a lot of that is like the, the reverts. It's like they make good because... Uh, you, you, I guess, and, and again, it's crazy because they always, you know, the thing, right? The Catholics, like, oh, y'all don't read the Bible, which is not true, but, but there's like uh, Catholicism, the biggest uh, Christian denomination in the world. You're going to, there's a one a billion Catholics over the world, so you're going to run into a lot that don't. Uh, even some of them, sadly, don't even believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. That one survey they did a few years ago. So yes, of course, uh, but in, but we do. But uh, a lot of uh, non-Catholics, Protestants, it's from like drilled in from the beginning. Like, uh, like see, I, I, remember, I don't know if, if, if you did this when you first came in the church. Like, did you always carry your Bible in the church? Because, you know, like you go to, because uh, before I did the reversion into Catholicism, I dipped my toes back into Christianity and I went to a Calvinist church and God, because I liked a preacher and like everyone carried their Bibles, you know, so you go to Catholic church, nobody does that. So was that, did you ever do that? Or did you see something like that? You, you understand? Like, not really for me. Presbyterianism definitely isn't one of those, you know, strongly like bring your Bible to church everyday faiths. Um, and it's, <laughs> Presbyterianism is, is 
usually kind of like the light uh, version of, of Christianity in general. So it's very, very regimented, very serious, um, it's but like also a, not necessarily as, you know, you know, Bible beating. It's, a, it's like an offshoot of, of Anglicanism, right? Like it the, is. the Anglican church, mm-hmm. right? Like the, from the Anglican church and then the Presbyterian church. Okay. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it's more of a high church. Really. It is. It's not, it's not very uh, like uh, Bible only kind of. So yeah. No. It's kinda, Similar to like Lutherans, kind of so like you know because you have the Catholic, you have the Lutherans, uh, the Anglican Church, and then and then again Evangelicals and more like non-denominational. So so it's a little bit different from yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, so but how are we? Because I don't know if you had this. Well, that should be an interesting question in the uh, Presbyterian community or church. Uh, what, did you feel like there was uh, like when I say building community, it seems like. Uh, a lot of people, like I have a brother, he's a non-denomina- uh, non-denominational uh, youth pastor, and I've been to a few of his churches that he's been into, and it is like, uh, I'll tell you a little short story later, but like, um, it's a lot different, and it seems very welcoming. They like, I walked into there, I guess I'll just say it right now, so I walked into there, and they had like a nice coffee machine, tea machine, mm-hmm. everybody's like, hey, hey, right, like going <laughs> up to you, hey, brother, hey, come on, come on in, we got seats right here, and I walk in, and it's all dark, and I hear laughter, loud music, smoke coming, I was like, what's going on? I walk in there, and it's like dark, and some guy, like literally, like a, like if you're going to a concert, he had a little flashlight, like, I got a seat for you right here, and I was like, oh, it's like a concert, like dark music the guitar the bass and it's like young people i was like where am i this is not a church i'm not used to you know you go to catholic churches it, well we're this is definitely different young people people standing up and singing and then they're singing the songs and guitars and drums and lights and i was like oh and they're but they're very like i'm telling you for and again not every single catholic church but i do understand in general um Unless that church has a huge, very like friendly, 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 and there are again, there are friendly people in church. But do you kind of know what I'm saying? With the, like, have you ever been to a, a non-denominational church? So after leaving my uh, hometown and going to college, uh, I was trying to find a church while I was in college, and went to just about every denomination you could think of at that point. So I've seen just about everything, and this was in Northern Virginia. So the general churches there are usually you know five thousand, six thousand families, mm. um, big churches. Um, and, and I mean, 5,000, 6,000 families at every service. So like huge churches and, and um, TV screens everywhere, all sorts of things. And that was new for me coming from a small town where it was just, you know, one, one service on a, on a Sunday and that was it. And everybody came to the one service. But I will say growing up Presbyterian, there definitely was that huge sense. I would say it was really focused on community more than anything else. Of every week there would be potlucks and we would get together and you know share food and talk to each other and, and that was a big part of of what that faith community was and I think that's one of the things that was strangest for me uh, coming into the Catholic Church um, and luckily once again my RCIA process part of that RCIA process that I think made me feel so comfortable is every week for RCIA class we would have a potluck mm-hmm. and people would bring in food for our classes and so it automatically made me feel at home like okay I'm familiar with this I can do this and so it's definitely something that I think about a lot, um, particularly as I think about you know catechesis and things like that, is how do we make people feel at home? How do we make people feel welcome? Um, and we've got lots of different ways of doing it, but I think it's about that challenge of kind of figuring out not just one way, but really the broad range of ways, and everyone's got their strengths. So making sure that we look at our community and say, what, what strengths do we have? And really play those up and use them. Yeah. Cause, cause, cause like some people, you know, will give some practical tips or practical examples, but like, yeah. Cause I was like, I want to build this like top, uh, uh, like what you said, because going in our site, you're, you're forced to be with each other and you guys all talk and it builds in. But if somebody, um, is not a revert, like just a born and raised Catholic and, uh, uh maybe they move to a different church or they go to another church. There's not that. Of course, there's there's always invitations. You can go maybe by uh, uh, Bible studies or like. So that's of course that's in there. But I feel like like a more of a like like a closer community community. Like we're like, hey, let's 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 all get together. This is something that we share in common. And also too, another thing. When I also mean that, I also mean like unfortunately, um, like in in Catholicism. Uh, again, like when I go, I've been to many non-denominationals and it's young, their twenties, thirties. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, just from my ex- personal experience, because there might be somebody yelling around. I'm like, wait a minute, I, I go to my church and I'm not young, but that <laughs> might be in, uh, you know, uh, their Portland Catholic Church or in New York, whatever. But I'm just from my experience in Texas, um, it, it's not really like that. Mm-hmm. And which is, again, it's fine. Like young people, kids, and older people, like they have wisdom. You need those people, and that's great. That's not saying no. But what I am saying is, like, the church has to grow. So, like, you want to see younger families, twenties, uh, thirties. You want to see those maybe forties, uh, which we have the faithful uh, uh, boomer generation, which is grateful and good and great and loving, and we connect with them too. Uh, but I feel like we're deficient in that. Like if we were to take a vitamin test or blood test, we would say like, okay, your vitamin C is low. It's like, you got this, you got this, we got uh, this age group, we got this age group, but you're kind of missing this. Yeah. And I feel like we're deficient. Is that kind of how you get a sense or in your own personal, we can't speak in general, but in your personal experience, is that? Yeah, and I think we do in general, we, we lose people typically around the college age. And it's just about how quickly can you get them back in? And knowing that they're going to walk away, they're going to look for other things for a while. Um, but do they have that f- grounding in faith that makes them want to come back at some point? And I definitely think that's, that's a big part um, of kind of how I approach faith. But I also, um, I think for the Catholic Church, the biggest way that we connect to community is our ministries. And so I know for me, um, when I first started dating my now wife, um, she asked me, Hey, would you be, I'm going to go to mass. You're free to not go if you, if you don't want to. And I was like, no, that'd be great. She's like, really? And I was like, yeah, you know, that sounds, that sounds good. I'd really like to see what a Catholic service is like. And so went in and my very first service, she had already told her choir director, um, that she was dating this new guy. And so I walk in and the choir director comes up to me and she was like, Hey, I hear you sing, come sing with us. And she just pulls me out of the pew and brings me up to the choir. And I think that's part of it, is our ministries are filling that role in a lot of ways of really reaching out um, to build community. And so I think it's about figuring out um, for those families that, or individuals who are coming to church and it's just like, how do I fit in? And I think that's the big question that they're asking is, where's my place here? Mm-hmm. And ministries are the place or the way that we find that place. But in Protestant churches, a lot of times, it's you're not asked to do anything. It's just come and be, and you'll automatically be part of this community. That's what I was going to say. That's exactly what I was, <laughs> you read my mind. It's like, get out of my head. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking is because I was just thinking, I was like, what do the Protestants do this? And I was like, but they, and then you just took it out of my mouth. <laughs> and it's like, um, yeah, because you, you sense that, right? And mm-hmm. I get what you're saying about the ministries and that. And also to what you said about potlucking and, and, and not just potluck, but like potluck-ish stuff, like, uh, well, I guess that would be potluck. For example, because I thought about this recently, I was like, man, you know what? I, I want to like maybe throw a barbecue at my house and invite people from the church to come over. Mm-hmm. And, and and so, so yeah, I guess that would be like a potluck stuff, but things like that are game night, right? Yeah. Food uh, is crucial. Yes. But, like- of, of course, oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Food is very, as you can uh, see, we don't look like Chris Helmsworth from <laughs> Thor. Like we're true. definitely like we would be, yeah, food is uh, maybe too much, <laughs> but yes. Um, or like game nights and stuff like that. Um, because like w- what I see is, is I, I think ministries like going to, to feed the poor together, doing uh, different ministries together is good, but I think we need the plus and that like, and like, Hey, let's go feed the poor together. Cool. Let's do this together. Let's hand out food. Let's hand out this, but then let's just hang out also like a fun kind of, you know, like I guess some would say like a non-church thing, like just like, Oh wait, we're just going to go to the house we're not going to necessarily do a ministry, but we're just going to hang out mm-hmm. in community with each other. And, and I, yeah, because I've been thinking about that. I was like, yeah, man, I want to start doing things like that. Like just inviting people. And again, not, it's not that I'm we're trying to ostracize uh, certain groups of ages. No, it's not that I welcome them too. But what I'm trying to say is we're deficient in that. And I think, cause again, cause they're like the Protestants churches, a lot of them, uh, especially the non-denominational ones, they have, most of their, their is all, yeah, I've been in like almost like not stadiums, but they're like big things and they're like full of young people. I was like, whoa, I've never seen that even at an Easter Christmas mass in, in a church, never seen that many young people. So I was like, they, there has to be something. And I think it's that community because a lot of people, even if they uh, like have a lukewarm faith, even, mm-hmm. I think just that being like, hey, these are where all my friends that I know hang out. 
They're not just like some, oh, that's a church person. No, like all oh, the regular people, they just like to hang out. They like movies like I do. They want to watch the new the new Mandalorian show like I do. They're just regular people. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of what you're, you're uh, what, what kind of what I was thinking about the Protestant churches and then doing the, the ministries and then uh, forming community. So uh, what, what should someone do if, if you want to give us a, um, a, a, some, I guess, some more examples of what should we do to build, should we go out and, and, and recruit uh, people in, in the church to like hang out or should we have like bowling nights or like, hey, you want to go uh, grab a couple beers or whatever or hey, you want to come over, have game night, you want to barbecue? Is it stuff like that or is it that and plus this or how do, how do you see that vision, I guess? For me, I feel like it has to be tied together. Um, cause I'm not sure that those relationships would develop if you just like, Hey, new person in church, do you want to come over to my house to have a game night? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that people would really respond to that well. And so I feel like you have to have that relationship. You have to have the, like the ministry gives a meaning to your relationship of this is, this is why I know this person and I have that, this tie to them. And so like our choir director has game nights at her house and we go there, you know, pretty regularly. And then um, to the members of the choir, you know, we became really close. And so we go over to their house and they invite us for dinner. And, you know, it's just that opportunity to come together and, and spend those time. But that ministry gives the focus of why, we're, why we know each other. And so I feel like the ministry is important. Um, but I'm wondering, once again, from the Protestant perspective of... How do they bring everyone? Yeah, right. I get what you're saying about like, like if I were, let's say I were to join a choir, which by the way, I would never have you guys. <laughs> that would be a sacrifice for you guys. Okay. That would be penance for you guys, for everyone in the church, uh, time off purgatory. If I were to join your choir, so you don't want that. But for example, let's say I joined the choir ministry. I can see that, that automatically we get, Hey, let's, but yeah, I go to saying, but like, like Protestants, how do they do it? Where like, in, if, if, if a person in church, I like say there's a, a young family and, and they come to church and, and they're not in the ministry of, of the choir or ministries of the, the lectors or any of that, how do we get them into that? Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of like a trick. It's like, how do they do it? Like, how to sneak into it? Like, let me study from them. Take, uh, what is that? I forgot who, who said it. Like, take, take the good. Or was it Paul? Was it St. Paul that said uh, from about other religions or other things or writings? Like, take the good, leave what's bad, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so is it something like kind of something like that, but then tie it in, try to get it uh, to the ministries, right? Definitely. And I know when I was uh, doing confirmation, I had one of my confirmation students regularly went to another church as well as going to Mass and was just like, is that okay? And I was like, well, like if there's something that you're getting from that other church that really builds your, your faith, then absolutely it's okay. Yeah. But what I would ask is think about what is it that you're getting from them and can you bring that back to the Catholic Church? Yes. And so I think that's what we're, we're needing to look at too is like, let's, I think it's for so long it's been, we don't, you know, we are different and yeah. we need to be different mm-hmm. and we do and we are, but at the same time, we need to bring in some of those pieces in order to make people feel like they are part of a community and part of a family. And that's what church is all about yeah. is really feeling like you're a part of something greater than yourself and importantly, directing it back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is like we are Jesus to each other. Yeah. And that is our calling. That's what we're meant to be. And really looking back at kind of what I was just saying, I know a lot of times with the Protestant churches, it is that simple of somebody brand new comes in and it's just like, Hey, come over to our house tonight and, and get dinner. And I think it's, maybe it's one of those, it's not awkward if you don't make it awkward of like, no, just come. Like you don't have to be anything special. You don't have to be, you don't have to offer something. You just come and you are. And I think that's one thing that you know, for our friends, they always did for us. And so it was never like, we're expecting you to be something or we're expecting mm-hmm. you to offer something to us. No, just come and be, and we just want to be around you. Yeah. And I think offering that to others and, and doing that ourselves is, is really the biggest calling and biggest way that we can contribute. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. That's the thing that was well said, reach out, you know, communicate potlucks, ministries, invite people, stuff like that, get to know each other, hang out. Like you said. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry we couldn't solve the church's problems in one <laughs> podcast episode, unfortunately, because uh, we could go on, this could go on another hour, but uh, we'll end it there. Um, hopefully if, you, if I don't torture you in this heat box too much, you'll be back on the show and we'll talk about this a little bit more. Uh, but let's get in uh, to reason. Uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to, to, to like, what's your favorite argument for the existence of God? Now, uh, favorite, it, it, it could be, um, I, well, I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be, because there's a difference between, I could tell you my favorite movie, 
it's probably a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, <laughs> but I could say it's not the best movie. Like if I were to give you my, my best, the the best movies I think of all time are way different from my favorite movies of all. Like Definitely. I'm not gonna be watching, you know, Schindler's List or certain movies a bunch of times, but I will uh, pop in like uh, the Zack Snyder or or, or the Ju- Batman or, or, or Justice League cut, and I'll just keep watching it over and over. But it's not. It can't hold a candle to certain, you know, it's not going to be like The Godfather 2 or something. So, again, it doesn't necessarily have to be the best argument or strongest. It's just your favorite. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so what's, one, what's your favorite argument for the existence or one of the favorite? Well, I saw your book as we were coming in, so I'm worried we're going to pick the same one. But uh, Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas, um, and the Cinque Villa are, I think, the biggest one for me, particularly when I was teaching youth confirmation. I love talking about it because, you know, for the the most part with my high schoolers, they're going through algebra right then. Mm -hmm. They're going through mathematical proofs. And Thomas Aquinas basically just took the mathematical proof and and applied it to God. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about God in this this sense of, you know, how can we legitimately just write down from beginning to end a philosophical proof of God's existence? And not only do it once, but five times yeah. in five different ways. And so I think that's what I love about that, that uh, about St. Thomas Aquinas's approach was really just looking at, you know, there's so many ways that we come to understand God, um, but each of these can be written down and can be exhausted as a proof. And so I really enjoyed, you know, the first mover, there has to be something that starts everything. And in order for things to change, something has to initiate the change. The change just can't become of itself. And so moving from that then into first cause and something has to cause each piece. And so there has to be one initial cause that existed before causation became. Yeah. And looking at each of those pieces and in every single one, it ends up with the argument of, and we call that God. And therefore God. Yeah. Yeah. Which one of the five ways is, is would you say your favorite one out of the five? Probably the second, the, the first cause. The argument. first way. Yeah. yeah. The fir- uh, first one. Yeah. And so I think that that's, to me, it's, it's cause and effect. And so you always have cause and effect. So what starts that chain? Yeah. How does that chain begin? Like the, fi- the, 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 the log doesn't cause on fire unless something uh, acts on it, the potentiality. You know what I mean? Water doesn't freeze unless something acts on it. You know, right. water doesn't liquefy unless something acts on it. Yeah. There's got to be something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there got to be something. Again, potentiality and actuality. Yeah, Thomas Aquinas again. I, I love Thomas Aquinas. He's, he's I'm a big fan of him. A um, lot of the existence of and it's crazy because the Summa it's it's a summary. Mm-hmm. Like it's a summary. Here's it's everything for the beginning. altogether. Like, here's here's a beginner's book and it's like this big and that dense. It's like like some people like Dawkins or something. They'll they'll pick pick it apart, but they don't realize that that's just literally a summary. He wrote. Many from other works. If you were to to accumulate uh, all what he written on on the first way or the second way, it's huge. In the Summa, it's just most people because it's the most popular one. Uh, if they're trying to pick holes in it, they usually just go after just literally that summary and don't realize that that's not meant to be an in depth. So that like that's crazy just to think about that. Yeah. The, the the Summa Theologiae and all that. Uh, but and really, the giant. catechism as we understand it really came out of that. It wouldn't exist if it weren't for that putting everything together. Because we had the catechism. We had these ideas. We had the concepts that make up the church. But you didn't really have them all in one place together. And Thomas Aquinas really put the faith together in like, here, you want everything, you have everything. Yeah. So is that what you use? Like if, if, if you're talking to a, um, a student or even uh, somebody that you know, like maybe a friend or somebody you meet and... I was like, I don't believe in a God that's crazy and all that stuff like that. There's no reason to believe in the God. We have science and all, you know, scientism and all this stuff. Is that, is that kind of like, is that kind of your go-to? Like, well, let me, have you ever thought about this? It is. It's my go-to because I feel like it's, once again, it's coming from that mathematical proof. So if somebody's coming from it, from the science perspective, from the math perspective of prove it to me, I think that Thomas Aquinas did the best job of really kind of writing it down and putting it on paper of this is why, this is why this is true. But I would say, once again, kind of the difference between the best and the favorite. To me, that's the best. And so that's the, that's the one that I go to when I'm trying to explain to other people. I want God to be there. And if he's not, then my life isn't as meaningful. Yeah, because I mean, I think like, cause it's easy to fall like in to nihilism. And, and I think uh, some people could teeter-totter or um, 
Also, too, I like like if somebody's kind of uh, teetering. It's not. Well, it's not. This is not my. This is not my favorite. But I kind of. I kind of like uh, the Pascal's wager kind of thing. Oh yeah. Uh, but again, that's not. That's not um, my top five or top ten. It's just I kind of like that because what you said about you have to have faith. At some point, everything takes faith. Even to believe there is no God, that takes a faith. Yeah. You know whether you like it or not. That you're making a choice. Yeah, you're making a choice. You're making a faith choice. So. Uh, but I like throwing a little Pascal's wager in there. It's like, well, what do you gain? What do you lose? And and again, I really like some people might not like it, but don't, or they might not understand what he means. He's not saying just like falsely, like uh, just like, for example, if someone said Zeus is real, I'm just like, well, I'm just going to think Zeus is, I'm just going to Pascal. And like, no, it, it means if you're, you looked at the evidence and they're both good, there's no good evidence for Zeus. Like I said, you know, you've heard that like, oh, well, I don't believe in God because I don't believe in Santa Claus. I don't believe in Poseidon. I was like, that's not even close to what Poseidon is is a a, a a created being that's a supreme being god is not even a, a being a supreme being really he's not even uh sometimes we might use words like that but he, he he's not uh when people mean that they just mean like a he's not like a super plus he's not uh you know material he's not in space time so zeus and all them santa claus they're in space time so that's not even god so that's crazy but yeah pascal wager but my my favorite and i i think it is I think again. I go back and forth. It depends on how I feel. You know, I wake up and it's <laughs> rainy, and or I stub my toe. I might change. Like it, literally, my mood changes and it'll be. But I think uh, this is always in the mix for my favorite slash. I think is the best um, or strongest uh, is the the like the contingent argument, like uh, the third way, right. the third way for that. And it's like uh, the third way has like term like being. And being is anything that exists, either physical or non-necessary, uh, either physical or non-physical, and a necessary being, something that must always exist, and then possible being, uh, or contingent being. I like saying, you know, possible or contingent, uh, or contingent being uh, something that is capable of exist existing, or it, it, it or it's capable of not existing, like me and you, you know, like we we didn't have to exist, you know, the tree in my front car didn't have to exist. You know, um, the 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 bill in my mailbox didn't have to, and I wish it didn't exist, but it's there. There's bills, right? I wish it didn't exist, but it, they're they're possible being that. Uh, but every possible being is dependent on a cause outside of itself, right? Like so, I think that that makes sense. Like uh, that that I think people could grasp that because they'd be like, if you're trying to talk to somebody about, well, there's not God. I was like, well, uh, think about this. Like there must be at least one necessary being right there has to be at least one necessary being that's that's necessary through itself and doesn't get its necess uh, necessity from another because then it just literally just kicks kicks the can down the road road so like a necessary being has to be through itself uh, but also its existence and essence must be identical like again have you ever heard like um you know what what is what's the uni what's a unicorn uh well the essence of unicorn is you know it's a horse with a with a, a, a horn on its head, rainbows, you know, that, that my daughter always wants to buy anything of it, you know, backpack, whatever she wants it. Uh, but does it exist? It, no, it doesn't exist. You know, like a dinosaur, what's the essence? We know what the dinosaur, you know, Jurassic Park, all that stuff. Uh, does it exist? Not now, but it, but it did, you know. But, but so essence and, uh, essence and existence, the necessary being, it must be. Like God is, like in, in the... In the what is it in Genesis? I am who am, like he is. He just is. He is being itself. Not saying that he is like the world, because I forgot what religion that is. But that he is nature, and not really like that. But in a way, like he is. He is. He is. He just he is. He he am who is or here. So um, like, but there must be one. Um, but think about this. Like, if, think about if every if everything in reality is a possible being. And there are no necessary beings at all. Like, is that possible? Like, think about that. Like, because if the answer is yes, then we don't, you know, you don't have God. But if we say no, well, then there has to be a God. And and I think philosophy could answer that question uh, to things uh, of, they, I think philosophy answers that, that, that the problem of, of existence and why do things even exist at all? Like, why is there something rather than nothing? You know, and, and think about like a like a like an example, like in a, in a world, like if there's uh, a, a world that there's only one possible being, like, can that exist? Like one possible being like, no, because, again, it's a contingent like us. It's dependent on something else. And nothingness has no causal power at all. 
Like nothingness has no causal power. It can't do anything. And if you just add for, to our, our world that, that it's just one possible being, if you just add an infinite number of possible beings, that still doesn't get, because again, they're all possible beings. So that doesn't solve it either. But a necessary being, either necessary through itself or another, and like we talked about, like if it's necessary through another, like like the sun and sunlight, it still kicks. So that so it can't be that. It has to be necessary through itself, and that would be more of like a what is it like a like what we talked about is like accidental ordered series of events, kind of like if I kick the domino and it falls, or like we're born right, like our our dads, our grandparents, great grandparents, they're not they're not alive. We're not contingent on them being alive. You know, like like my great great grandchildren. It doesn't matter if I'm alive. You know, I have to start it, but it doesn't matter. Where, where it's essentially ordered, like dominoes or whatever. But uh, that's an accidental order. But a, an, an essentially ordered series, or or kind of like a hierarchical, or vertical kind of hierarchical, is more of like gears moving. Or like you, you. I don't know if you heard like a like if uh the the hockey stick is being pushed, the hockey puck is being pushed by the hockey stick. And the stick is being pushed by my hands, which is being pushed by my arms and my muscles and my brain. But what's pushing that? Like, what's holding that up? And that is what we call God. That is a necessary being. And and if you think about the world, like, the world is contingent. It's contingent. Even, uh, or even, who's a Catholic priest? Uh, George Lemaitre. He was one of the fathers of the Big Bang Theory. And, and again, um, most, not all, but the vast majority of scientists agree to that. But even if it wasn't, that's what I like about Thomas Aquinas is because people are like, well, what if one day science does change? Science, that's another thing about, you know, people are like, science, I love science, but science just changed. And what if we found out, oh, the, the world is eternal or whatever, it still works. And that's what I like about that. That's what I like about that is it still works because he, he, he couldn't prove that the world had a beginning. So he didn't go off of that. So even if it's eternal, it still doesn't prove it still doesn't doesn't solve the problem. You know, uh, it, it, I think that's just great. It's like, what is that? It's like gears. Like if you stop that one gear, the whole thing falls down like an infinite number of chains hanging on the chain link. It, I don't care if you have an infinite number. You still if that one is not connected to that it all falls down. God is kind of like a violin player playing a song and the music coming up. If he stops, it stops. You know, it's not like an accidental order again, like, like grandparents or trees or this or that dominoes, whatever. So that's, that's my favorite. And I think that's, that's, I think again, depending on what it is, maybe, uh, but I, I think that's, a, might be the, the strongest argument to God. Because again, if you just think about that, yeah, like nothing can cause itself. And I think uh, for right? me too, the other end of that, the contingency argument is just as important of not just contingency as a cause, but contingency as why we then continue on that chain. And so yeah. that was the other question is, it's just like, so what's, why are we continuing to be contingent on the next thing? Because there should be an end. If there's no purpose, if there's no original cause, then that chain should, by all accounts, eventually just run out. Mm-hmm. And the earth should cease to exist. And that is a natural cause. That is a natural outcome of this. After a certain number of iterations, it should end. But we continue to do it. We continue to be the contingent upon the next generation. We continue to make that choice to to continue to populate the world. But why? Because if we know that things are coming to an end, if we know that that's it, there's no purpose. And so I think it's just as important to think about the effect as it is about the cause part of the contingency argument. Yeah. Um, and I love that part too, is it's just like, why, why would we continue it on if there was no purpose, if there was no contingency, Yeah. original why, contingency, why something rather than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I, I, I see the point, like that's a, that's another great point too. It's like, like when people say, well, if God created everything, who created God, that, that, that kind of shows the understanding that no, that's not what we, you wouldn't say that because that is God, like God is, his existence is his essence. They're one, they're one in the same. So if you say, well, who created, you know, like God, like everything, everything that starts to begin or the kind of like the cosmological argument too, it's kind of similar. Uh, but I think the one William Craig uses is more of like, that one's more of a, doesn't really work from an eternal standpoint. He's more on the, 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 the time, like how the universe time and stuff like that, uh, but it's like it, it's whatever whatever begins to exist uh, must have a cause, you know. For, and if the universe began to exist, you know, then it ha- has to have a cause, and that cause is God. But remember, God didn't begin to exist; He is. Right. Uh, it's therefore God existence 
is one in the same. So that's why, and I like to use that word, whatever begins to, because if you, if you say whatever exists must have a cause, then that people might think like, oh, well then you might lead them to think, well then what God, you know, but if whatever begins to exist, God never began to exist. But, uh, but in the Big Bang Theory, uh, we, have, I mean, we have science proof that the universe began from the expansion. So we say, hey, that's kind of, that's a huge thing. Like, wait a minute. So what, there was nothing and then all of a sudden it started billions of years ago. Like, that's kind of, and that's why I like that too. Because that kind of, kind of, people were like, again, yeah, si- more science. So like, yeah, that's where, why did it? Oh, well, who cares? You know, <laughs> like, we don't just like walk down the, all of a sudden, like a big green spear ball uh, is like, just appears in front of us. I'm like, hey, why, Drew, why is that here? It's like. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Don't, I don't worry Move about it. it. <laughs> Principle, sufficient reason. Ah, who cares? Just ah, whatever. Speaking of big green glowing balls, we'll, we'll, we're going to move on to uh, our geekdom and uh, um, the, our UFO part. I thought this would be pretty fun. Uh, recently, over the last, what, really picked up the last month or so, it's really been picking up. Uh, New York Post, Washington Time, ABC, like just, and these aren't little like, you know, like I love aliens.com, whatever. Like these are, uh, major, major news sources uh, coming up with the stories. 60 Minutes, I think, did that one with the pilots. These are like, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, should be reliable people, government officials. Uh, uh, well, I shouldn't say that in a government <laughs> official. I, as soon as I said it, I was like, ugh, ugh. you know what I mean? Uh, uh, military personnel that's been working in the military, you know, Navy, Army, different different people. Uh, been been like attesting that we've seen this and we've seen video footage. There's video footage of like that little, almost looked like a pyramid one. Mm-hmm. What, what are your initial thoughts on that? What did you think? Did you what were you thinking? How deep did you get into it? Did you get, go down a rabbit hole? So I feel like that's been the interesting thing, particularly with you know like the Nimitz off the West Coast, and then you had uh, the Teddy Roosevelt off the East Coast. You're now having actual military confirmation of yeah, we don't know what this is. And before I feel like even if they didn't know what it was, it's just like explain it away like let's let's pretend that we know what it is and let's move on it's a weather balloon right yeah and you see it like going like this and flying and yeah and, like, and i think part of it may just be that they know that that doesn't work anymore like they have to have some some sort of groundwork it's not the 50s i think they're more advanced they have iphones for goodness sake <laughs> for goodness sake they have a literally like one of the most strongest computer in their hands i don't think they're gonna go for the old weather balloon thing yet. yep and so I think that's been the, the the fun and interesting part about recently. You know, you're actually having the military come forward and say, "We don't know. We don't know what this is. This is this is unidentified, and we have proof that it happened, but we can't explain it. We can't figure out what's going on." Um, and for me, that that's the most exciting part is that it could be. Um, it's actually our first kind of real foray into let's talk about it and let's figure out you know if these are real things that are that are coming to visit us, and if so, what does that mean for us? Have you gone down like any YouTube or rabbit holes or article? Have you gone gone down the dark path of a rabbit hole? Not so much YouTube, aliens? but Wikipedia. I've definitely gone gone pretty <laughs> deep in Wikipedia. So if you do that Wikipedia, and then that get sends you to another one, oh, yeah. and then you click that, and you just get it is like, how did I get here? Where am I? Like, yep. how did I did this chain is infinite series of causal chain? How did this happen? Where am I? I don't even know like how to get back to the original thing. Uh, My wife and I are both pretty big X-Files fans, so it goes oh, yeah. goes back early ages of like explore and figure out what the truth is and, and figure out, particularly related to UFOs, like there is something out there. There is something we should be looking for. Do you, um, well, first, do you, how do you say this? Do you want there, I mean, it's not up to us, but do you want there to be aliens? Like, is that a hope? I think it's like, it's, it's one of those things that provides, I always talk about and. I hope far, hopefully this is not getting too far off, but the library to me, a library is so important because it's one of the few places in the world where there's magic left. Mm. And I feel like that's UFOs to me too. Is yeah. It's like, if they're real, if there is proof that there might be something out there, that's magic. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's this idea that there's something that's unknown, totally unknown to us and can be explored from brand new. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, that's what's so exciting about it is it's the potential for something completely unknown that we don't have this full understanding of our world. Yeah. I think that's what's so, so exciting about it. I, I think, uh, well, because the church have said, like many, I think many of the popes have said too, is like, um, like if there's aliens and stuff like that, like they don't like teach against it. Like, so if you're, it's not against the church to think they're aliens. Yeah. Uh, many theologians or, 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 or bishops are, have talked about like, okay, yeah, if there's aliens, you know, uh, um, there's different, uh, 
and like are, are they falling like there's a whole like thing and like are they falling are they not falling does jesus have a different plan for them or just we don't know we're not god so um aliens wouldn't wouldn't have like a it wouldn't tear the church apart like because the popes have said stuff about aliens i think francis has recently said something about aliens. so like that's not a big thing mm-hmm. uh i don't want there to be aliens because we've seen what we do to each other like i don't want another a literally non-human like they would i think they would kill us they would be way more advanced like we've seen what we do to to other people like why i i don't want there to be that for that reason i really believe that we would be in trouble like really believe so i don't want there to be aliens but it has nothing to do with the faith because again uh many theologians popes whatever like they've it's not a big deal like they can reconcile aliens and gospel now let me ask you this well, the 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 UFOs because all it means is unidentified flying objects, or they call them UVAs, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the difference is, but like um, uh, what, vehicular what, aircraft, yeah, right? something yeah. like that. Um, uh, the government loves acron- acronyms, just like <laughs> as as does the church, the, yeah. as does the Catholic Church. I was still like, yeah, we do you love acronyms. Um, uh, it, do, do you okay? Do you think what we've been seeing lately over the last few months? Uh, do you think those are alien life forms like extraterrestrial life forms because that's a different question from the ufos it's kind of you know do you think those are like an alien species i think it once i think it goes back to that idea of like yeah i hope they are mm-hmm. like i hope that that would be something that we could find and prove i don't know if i actually believe that they are but I want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> you want to believe. Isn't that like on an X-File, yep. right? Like I want to, <laughs> I want to believe. Are you, aren't you quoting the, yep. the first one movie or second movie? I want to believe. Um, I, I don't think they are. I was sold that they were. I was like, oh, well, I guess there's aliens. That's another thing. Like, oh, man. I want this. This this last year or two has been horrible. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, well, there's aliens. But but more I'm thinking about it is I, I don't think it is alien life form. I do think it's unidentified. I think it might be us. I think it might be us. Another country, maybe, maybe. But I, th- I think it's us. Uh, because th- these are my, my th- little points. Is One is, I don't know. Like, again, I could be totally wrong. But a UFO, like a flying object or flying craft, seems very human. Like It seems very like an our idea of flying object. If they're that advanced, um, wouldn't they literally just like, pop into dimensions like break time dimensions and like literally just like either like be me like be here just like teleport here or like pop in a dimension or like some type of super fast thing and then like we almost have indivisible indivisibly we're almost there like you're telling me they don't have indivisibly and they're oh man we got oh, oh we're getting caught by the navy's getting us guys come on i told you don't let john drive again like what like uh, they don't have in- indivisibility like it seems very human very human shapely aircraft also again yes again this i am coming from human ex- human history experience but i'm just going off of what we know and in in the life or in the history of human exploration, uh, usually whenever there's like the first, first contact, usually not far after that is, hey, we're here. Yeah. You know, uh, think of going to other countries, uh, discovering other worlds, other lands. It's usually like, hey, I saw some weird, like, come on, say, hey, everybody, put down your spears. Stop sharpening your spears. Put down the corn. I saw some crazy thing on the water going, and then usually they're here. Like, you know what I mean? Like Native American people, all that stuff, like, Usually after there's the first initial contact, usually there's like, we're here. So if supposedly we've been seeing aliens for decades, decades, right? Supposedly. Some even would say, uh, people that are big fans of ancient aliens, some would say since the pyramids, thousands of years, where's the, hey, we're really, really here. There's not that. Again, that is human experience, but I'm just going off what I know. And then the other point was, um, what was it? The one about that seems very human. Um Oh, man. Uh, oh, that the government is kind of... Um, I think they're trying to throw off other countries. I think they're trying to throw off other countries. And, like, I think it is us. We're, we're getting close to some technology. I just don't... I don't know if it's aliens. Um, I forgot my other point that I thought about. But does that kind of, like... <laughs> Definitely. It reminds like, me of... Uh, I don't know if you ever saw Star Trek First Contact. Basically oh, yeah, all yeah. about, like, the first time that man uh, surpasses warp speed. Mm. And the idea was that there was a spaceship that was passing by... And they see humankind achieving trans warp speed. 
And that was kind of like the signal that they were waiting for. Mm. So like they'd been aware of humankind before. They they were aware that there was this this world that had life on it. Yeah. Um, but you're waiting for some sort of signal. Yeah. And so part of that too, if you look at, you know, there are documented cases of spaceships in, you know, ancient Rome, things like that. But it seemed back then at least that it was just kind of a they happened to be there. And so like there was an account of basically uh, two spaceships kind of having a battle in the sky and then mm-hmm. blowing each other up. And that was one of the earliest, earliest known cases of a UFO. But then you don't really see too much again. Um, there's not that much from basically the time of Jesus until about the 1700s or so. And so at the 1700s, then you start seeing it again. And this is as we are starting to take flight ourselves. So the first, first balloons, the first um, planes, as those things happen, it kind of expands exponentially of, okay, we have these flying objects that we know, but all of a sudden there are all these objects that we don't. And so part of me wonders if it like, is it that as we are getting more advanced, all of a sudden these other civilizations are like, huh? Maybe this is somebody who's about to reach the level where we can have these conversations about sharing, sharing knowledge, sharing activity, um, as opposed to kind of that idea of Star Trek of we're not going to interfere with until, primitive civilizations. Until they have yeah. a big advance. Right. Uh, here's one thing that would counter that, though, I think a lot. Firecrackers. Firecrackers. <laughs> how long since what uh, the Chinese had fire? Like, how long... Since we had firecracker gunpowders and we still have not advanced, like really, like yeah. what we firecrackers that we have on Fourth of July and all that stuff that we have right now is not that much different from ancient China. Like it's not that. So that's a, that's a, like oh we're not that. Uh, I'm still really impressed by those tanks that can shoot and spin around. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, that is pretty cool. But yeah, not but a huge I, advance. I don't think uh, <laughs> aliens from another advanced civilization uh, that could read people's minds and just control. Uh, things with their mind. I don't think they'll be impressed with the little thing. Uh, also, oh, you did remind me of the other point that I was going to make. You reminded me when you were talking about that. Is like, because uh, again, I, I I don't know. Yeah, because you know, if you watch ancient aliens, a lot of stuff. Uh, but I know I I know some art historians have said no, they're they're depictions of the sun. That's how that's how uh, the ancient people drew them. This our angels, our sons. It's, it's, it looks like an alien. You know, especially in religious art, they're like, no, that's uh, some some of the, the the art historians would say that. But I'm not too sure. But that's just what they say. And then also to um, aliens or UFOs is a very like literally we we made up that we like from fiction from the 40s or 50s like we literally it's straight out of science fiction. Now I'm not saying it can't be true because we made it up, but like we literally made up the idea of UFOs coming and flying, and we made that up. It's straight out of fiction, you know. So um, that's if you believe that you know in the. You know, in the ancient times, those were not. Of course, if you believe it was, then well, then that doesn't work. But if you're like, or, or like some of the, the the art historians were saying, no, they're depictions of the sun or angels. Uh, then it does work. That if, if I say, well, in the 40s and 50s, that's when it literally came above, and we made up, literally made up the word. So that was a, another point. But yeah, no, it's very interesting though. It is very like I'm fascinated by this. I don't know because I was really on like, man, there's aliens like. Oh man, like I, I'm not ready. Like I don't want that again because I think I think it'll be hostile. I think maybe not, but yeah. I'm just thinking of from from our experience. Uh, but then I, I've kind of come around come around to like you know what I, I really don't. I think it's us. I really don't think it's aliens. It might be another country or something, but uh, I think it's human. Human. I, 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 that's what I lean to. I'm not. A, I would say I'm probably eighty percent convinced that it's us. That it's human in nature and human. And there's a 20% chance, uh, again, 70 to 80, that it's us, and then the rest that it's alien life. Or both back, but but before I started thinking about this or, or like looking at seeing everybody's side, uh, I was more of like almost like 50 50. I was like, damn, man, there might be aliens. Like, oh man. But yeah, so. Uh, I know I would say I am 100% sure that if there are aliens, they don't look anything like the aliens we see on TV. <laughs> because the, the chances of an independently evolving like species of life, any kind of life, the chance that it would evolve bipedal, like two legs, two arms. And yeah, they're, you know, their skin is a little bit different. Their eyes might be a little bit different, but the fact that, you know, 80% of their anatomy would be the same as ours coming from a a different planet. Absolutely not. Like if we encounter aliens, it's going to be like gas clouds that have manifested into a a sentient being, something like that. 
if we ever did encounter it, that's I feel 100% confident it's not going to be something that's walking towards us. That's a good point. I didn't then not think about that. That's a really good point. Wow. I didn't, yeah, you're right. Um, uh, was gonna, I was going to ask you a question. Uh, are you an Aliens fan from the, like the movie, the franchise? Oh, yeah. I love Aliens. So good. I love the whole fr- even that horrible. Again, this is like if if, if just the horrible. I'm not condoning. I mean, I'm not. Yes, I'm not endorsing this. It's a horrible. Horrible movie, uh, even Alien Resurrection. I enjoy it. Like it was important to the, yeah, the overall story of Alien. I enjoy even if it, it wasn't a great movie. It was not a great movie, but I actually have fun. I enjoy it. I have the box set. Yeah, I love. Oh, I love Alien. Aliens, uh, even the the Fincher cut. The it, I think that's underrated. I, I think, and I think we're 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 starting to to game on. We're starting to get followers in the cult of the the Alien Three movement. Like now, everyone's like, ah, oh, that's horrible. But then when they released the 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 because that David Fincher did that movie mm-hmm. David from from Seven yeah uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo Fincher very uh, very dark director he he did that was his first movie yep. first big budget movie Alien Three and his Fincher cut like I really like that movie I like it a lot yep. and now recently over the last five years or so I guess millennials we're like we're starting to be like Don you know what that's actually a good movie and I'm like yes I agree yep. and Prometheus I love Prometheus I absolutely love that movie. Alien Covenant, like I, I still like it a lot. I like Prometheus better, but like I wanted, I wanted to learn about the engineers, like those. I was fascinated by that. People were like, "Ah, oh, we don't want those. Bring the aliens." I was like, "No, I love them, but no, like I like the philosophical him and the David, the character, like Prometheus and, and Alien Covenant. I really, really, really like Alien Covenant. Absolutely. Even though like he went because the pressure people were like, we don't want Prometheus. It's too much about the engineers and all this stuff. So he's like, okay, fine. I'll throw some more, but he still got that. I wanted more from that. I hope they make, they're making a TV series. Did you know that on mm-hmm. FX? Yeah. They're making, Oh, I'm a huge, I love the, <laughs> the franchise, even Predator second, but, but, and mainly only Predator one, Predator two. I actually know I do like Predators, the one with uh, Robert Rodriguez. I do like oh, that yeah. movie. With, with when they they uh, Adrian Brody and they're all yeah, I, I yep, like that movie. I like that one too. Except Alien vs Predator Requ- Requiem, that's a horrible movie. Oh, yeah. I I don't enjoy that. <laughs> Alien the first Alien vs Predator, it's a horrible movie. I enjoy it. The Alien vs Predator Two is horrible. I don't think I've even seen that one. Don't see. I saw should... Alien vs because that's the one with the underground pyramid. Is yeah, that right? yeah. Okay. That that again, horrible movie. Yeah. Fun. Fun. Yeah, totally fun. Part two, don't it should be on like the church's banned books, banned movies, whatever. Like it's so it should be thrown like locked away in the Vatican archive, never to be seen by anyone. It's a horrible movie. But I, I love that whole predator, but mainly alien. Aliens my jam. I love uh, I, just, I could talk about aliens for maybe we'll do another episode, talk about talk about aliens. But man, thank you for in this is uh Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. If you guys, uh, Google, Spotify, if you rate uh, five star on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, uh, share with your friends, share with anyone you know. Uh, again, Drew, thank you for being here. I am Roger, you're Jenny Flexer. And anything you want to say, anything you want to plug or you want to uh, push out or you got uh, invite to anybody to do a ministry, I don't know if you're doing anything particular or if you just want to say any last words. Oh, yeah. If you're here in San Antonio, we are definitely in need of ministers. So uh, if you come and join us at St. Helena's, we can use you in a variety of different ways. So please, please reach out and we are happy to get you connected. All right, man. I really enjoyed this. I had fun. I had fun. So hopefully we could do this again. So appreciate you you being here. Uh, Thank you guys listening. Appreciate it. Godspeed.